0: Hey folks, welcome back for another episode of Mayhem in the Mid-South. It's going to be episode 9, Headshots in Atlanta. It's October 1998, the city of Atlanta, Georgia. Atlanta had a football team, the Atlanta Falcons, destined to go to the Super Bowl. Further good news, the crime rate in Atlanta had actually fallen from the previous year. Atlanta, like most major cities, had crime issues. In this particular month, would see a one-man crime wave. And this crime wave would strike in neighboring Decatur, Georgia, in DeKalb County, reach into the town of College Park, Georgia, and then strike in the very heart of Atlanta. The fellow we're gonna talk about today was a mass murderer and a spree murderer, all rolled into one. It's October 5th in the town of Decatur. 44 year old man named Russell Mason. He's found in his house there and he's been murdered. Police describe it as an execution style murder. And from what they're seeing at the scene, Appears to be robbery was the motive. And the weapon used was a forty-five caliber. Now, I don't know what DeKalb County. Police had to... I don't know how they generally handle a violent crime like that. You would think they might check in with Atlanta just to see, say, hey, we got a killer and This is how it looked, and this is what went on, and y'all got anything like that. Of course, Atlanta would probably say no. But they might say yes. And if Atlanta and College Park didn't get a phone call, they would have at least seen it on the local news. Now, I don't know how long it was before DeKalb County got their ballistics report to tell them what kind of a weapon it was. Obviously, that would have been something you would have mentioned if you did pick up the phone and call Atlanta about it. Because you always want to know what the big city's doing. Are they working any robbery, homicides, where the victims are shot execution style, and robbery is the possible motive. Now it's October 15th, 10 days after the robbery homicide in Decatur. The body of a 19 year old named Ladarius Hawkins is found in a Days Inn hotel, College Park. Now, Hawkins was shot once in the back of the head. Very similar to or almost the exact MO as was in the previous killing. Only difference being it's a hotel. Again, I don't know what the The jurisdiction did. Did College Park call Atlanta and ask them about it? Had any of the investigators there heard about the Decatur killing? Or had Decatur even called them about it? I don't know if they necessarily. Tied the two in together from the source material I've been reading, it doesn't it doesn't sound like they were necessarily on the same page. Either way, Hawkins is dead, robbery is the motive. I don't know how long it took College Park to get back the ballistics, but it came back indicated. He was killed with a 45 caliber round. Just like uh, Mr. Mason in Decatur. Awful similar MOs. One day later, October 16th, might even have been the 17th of Saturday. Three fellas from out of town got to Atlanta and checked in at the Hilton downtown. They were there to see the Atlanta Falcons take on the New Orleans Saints. Now these three men, Ronald Gukowski, he was fifty-one, Philip Dover was thirty-one, Gerald Shropshire. Fifty. I do know from video surveillance, at least one of them was seen on the elevator on Saturday. There was another man in the elevator. it would later show that that other man on the elevator was going to be their killer. Now the maid came in on Sunday morning to clean the room. She found all three men. They were in their underwear, they were tied up, and all three were shot in the back of the head. Well, the best police could come up with was they'd been killed somewhere between midnight on a Saturday and sometime early Sunday morning. Now, video surveillance showed a as yet unidentified male black leave their hotel room of the three men with a cooler and a bag, and he got on the elevator and he left. I don't know how long it took Atlanta to get the ballistics back, but it indicated all three men had been shot Forty five caliber. Now, I don't know why Atlanta PD did what they did, but the media was putting out that the police said it looked like a professional killing that it might have some ties to the drug industry. And I'm not talking about legal drugs. Now all that accomplished, other muddy in the water, was to upset family members. Why in the world you would release to the media anything like that is beyond the years I worked in robbery and homicide and on the shoot team for Memphis, any police department, you you don't conduct your investigations in the media. You certainly don't tell them such things, such speculation. Now, at some point, when that theory went to pot, They then went to one implying that the men must have had a prostitute or several prostitutes up in the hotel room and it must have went bad and all three men were executed. That really made family members happy. Out of town, tourists coming to Atlanta, and Atlanta PD is... Releasing information to the media and to just speculating. I don't know whose decision that was. That wasn't a very good decision. So, Atlanta PD's got a video, and they've determined that the motive appears to be robbery based on the items missing from the hotel and from what the video showed and again I don't know if they ever checked with Decatur or with College Park or if any of the three jurisdictions were aware of what the other was working because you've got College Park in Atlanta they're in Fulton County In Decatur, it's in DeKalb County. Sometimes you have issues of communications within a singular department. makes it even worse when you're talking about three different jurisdictions, but my goodness. Again, I, I don't know if anyone ever put it together at that particular time, if there was any communications Certainly, College Park and Decatur must have read about the the killing. I don't know if Atlanta told the media what caliber weapon it was or not. They seem to be telling the media everything else. None of it, as it turns out, being accurate. Just when you thought that Atlanta's Homicide Bureau couldn't get in any deeper hot water with the families and the media over their handling of the triple homicide, it's learned that the someone used the victim's tickets and attended the football game that Sunday evening. Of course, the assumption being it was the killer. And Atlanta PD didn't have an answer for had they bothered to check to see if somebody would use those tickets or not. Of course, now I don't know what the time frame is for when. Atlanta actually found out that the victims were in for a football game. And so all three cases, Decatur, College Park, and Atlanta, they're working right along, unknown if they're working in unison. but they catch a break. October 31st, Saturday, two Shelby County Sheriff's deputies in the state of Tennessee, they clock a fella speeding and pull him over He mentions to him he's got a loaded pistol in the glove box of the car, so they put him in the back of their squad car and they go up and they get the 45. While they're in the car, with the permission of the driver, they find uh, IDs and other personal type identification belonging to four or five different people. So they arrest the driver. He gives them a name. Shockingly, it's not his real name. They get his prints. They run them through APHIS. Automated fingerprint identification system and it spits out the true name. So the Sheriff's Department makes some phone calls down in the Georgia area, and lo and behold, those IDs belong to dead men. As you might guess. State of Georgia contacts the state of Tennessee and tells them we want that fella. So they go and pick him up. This fella's name is Timothy Carl Dawson. And it comes as no shock that Dawson has a long and violent criminal history. Which it'll come up later, as it always does. The question of why a violent man like Dawson should be out running around when he's supposed to be in prison. Now they take that 45 caliber pistol and they compare a round from the pistol that's test fired by Atlanta PD and they compare it and it's compared to all three jurisdictions And sure enough, that 45 was used to murder all five victims. And it just so happens that the baseball style cap that Dawson's wearing, it's got the DNA of one of the victims from the hotel. So, come to find out later, and it's shown in court that Dawson invited two of his friends to go see the football game. Tickets he got from dead men. As far can be determined the two fellas that went with the Defendant didn't know anything about how the tickets were obtained. But at least one of them testified against Dawson at trial. Now, Fulton County Grand Jury, they returned a true bill of indictment. Dawson got charged with four counts of malice murder. Now you gotta remember that's the the four murders that occurred within Fulton County. This doesn't count Cab County. He faces 12 counts of felony murder. Felony murder being all the victims died while the defendant was committing an armed robbery. Pop with four counts of aggravated assault, possession of a firearm by a convicted felon, eight counts of, four counts of armed robbery, two counts of possession of a firearm by a convicted felon, and two counts of possession of a firearm during the commission of a crime. They loaded up on him. Anyways, they have his trial, and his defense is that the gun and all that evidence was planted on him by drug dealers, gang members. It was a frame-up. The gun and the glove box, the hat he's wearing, all the victims' IDs, personal effects, all planted. Now, I wonder where he got the idea to use that as his defense. I think it came from Atlanta PD and their initial claim to the media that it must have been a professional job, a drug deal gone wrong, a drug hit. It was touch and go for a while during the trial because later interviews of jury members Six of the jury members actually were believing that story. Scary. That's the most outlandish thing. That alibi. This is a good case. But luckily Dawson was such an arrogant homicidal maniac that he decided he was going to take the stand. Those jury members that were thinking he was Innocent. They changed their mind. After hearing him on the stand. Now they did not give him the death penalty. Prosecutors asked for it. They didn't do it. But. They did uh, give him. Life in prison with no parole. Which is good. He'll never get out. This time. But if there ever was a case where you could say the death penalty was warranted and in fact if you were to ever modify how the death penalty statute reads in all the states this would be a really good case here to have executed him within 365 days without the benefit of an appeal because the evidence against him was overwhelming